the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Lindale Glass is your premier window and door company in Whatcom and Skagit County. With over 35 years of professional installation experience, you can rely on the dedicated employees at Lindale Glass to provide an exceptional install. Lindale Glass features Milgard windows and doors, leading the industry with innovative, high-quality products. You can be assured of a product that is customized for your home. No shortcuts, no gimmicks, just excellent service and exceptional quality from Milgard. Visit a Lindale showroom to learn more or online at lindaleglass.com. How do we earn our reputation for repairs you can trust? Great mechanics? Yeah. Quality parts? Absolutely. But the real secret is knowing the most important part of every vehicle is the driver. And here's your keys. She's already Right on time. Thanks. With over 30 years of service, you can trust Bellingham Automotive to help you with any regular maintenance needs or unexpected repairs. Schedule your appointment at 360-676-5200 or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com. What is the future of agriculture in Washington State and across this country? It it looks more bleak by the day. I hate to say it. And, you know, we hear more and more about family farms, you know, small and medium-sized farms in particular not being able to make, even some large farms saying they can't continue to survive Uh, Under the current conditions, the increasing costs of doing business, um, whether it's from market forces, global competition, uh, added costs just from inflation, and then government mandates that make doing business, growing food so much more expensive, while at the same time the returns that people get for the food that they produce, the the farmers, the, the money that they make, not going up anywhere close to keeping pace in most cases with the increased costs of doing it in the first place. What, what's going to happen here? Far, farms are starting to go out of business. I'm hearing more and more of it. Of course, we've talked about um, the Cascade Farm story here locally in Whatcom County uh, with the new documentary that's out. If you haven't seen that, by the way, it's called Losing the Farm. You can find it at losingthefarm.com. I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't yet. 
Um, you know, we're hearing about other farms elsewhere in Washington State calling it quits. The good ones, too. Not just some fly-by-night operation that didn't happen to make it. Um, and sadly, the numbers that our government is gathering are, are starting to show this. And, and we have some disappointing news to share with what's happening here in Washington State as well with one of those big pressures in terms of labor and the cost of labor um, to farm in Washington State. Joining me right now with the Washington Policy Center, Pam Lewison. She's the director for their Center on Agriculture. Um, Pam, this, and I want to talk about specifically what's happening with overtime here in Washington State, because that, that bill that we talked about that could give some relief to farm workers and farmers is dead. Um, and we'll, I'll have you help me explain why, but first new numbers are out. Uh, the new, uh, agriculture census from USDA national numbers and Tom Vilsack, the secretary of agriculture saying it's a wake up call. If you could put it in a nutshell, Pam, what would you say the message is from these numbers? Oh, I would hope that the message is. Uh, that the agricultural community, not just in Washington state, but nationally needs help um, being able to survive. Um, In Washington state in particular, the numbers are pretty stark. Uh, When you look at um, our uh, farm survival rate between 2017 and 2022, Washington state lost an average of 743 farms a year. In a five-year span. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's that's over 3,000 farms gone in just five years' time. Yeah. It works and out just be, Washington State, right? Yes, just in Washington State. It actually works out to be 14 farms a week. 14 farms a week over the past five years gone. And this is what we're seeing. This is the, the crisis mode that farmers are feeling on the ground trying to survive. Yeah, I think um, when you look at sort of the regulatory environment that we in Washington are in, both with Washington state regulation and with national regulation as well, uh, farms are just sort of getting squeezed to the point that they just cannot survive anymore. And, And it's not just environmental regulation anymore it's labor regulation it's the cost of doing business is is just so astronomical at this point that farms are not able to make it and they're making that hard choice to say we'll do something else Um, and that something else may be something that they've never done before but it's you know going to be easier than continuing to push um push against the flow of of um the regulations that they're facing you got to wonder where this ends and it's scary i think what's scary to me and this is this is not hard data like the the agriculture census is but just Anecdotally, I think what's most troubling to me is not even just the farms that have gone out, which is heartbreaking, but the number of farms that I know of and people that I've talked to that are still in business. And these, again, the the good ones, the good family farms that have been around for a long time in this state who are telling me, yeah, we're not sure how much longer we can hang on. And that number is downright scary. 
I think that's um, something that everyone is hearing. I don't think it's just you. I think everyone uh, in the ag community, whether it's you or me or other people, are all having those same conversations, conversations around do we hang on or, you know, do you get while the getting's good? Um, Because uh, more and more you look at things like some of the other statistics in um, the census of agriculture, things like, you know, that um, the cost of doing business in 2022 was $11 billion Hmm. and that the average farm was only earning $53,000 in 2022, um, which, you know, seems like it might be a decent amount of money, but when you look at the cost of living and the cost of doing business and the cost of having to pay people to work for you, that's not a lot of money. No, you think um, about that in terms of a salary, and you know, especially over for us over here in Western Washington. I mean, good mm-hmm. luck even trying to keep yourself housed and cover all the bases when you're there. I mean, if that represents you know, as an average fifty some thousand dollars a salary, not just for one person, but potentially for a family. Good luck. Right. And I think, um, you know, you look at that and you look at things like um, the inflated cost of labor. So, you know, the that's a great one to look at. You know, in 2017, labor was the largest cost uh, reported in the census at $2.18 billion. That was in 2017. In 2022, so we're one year into the overtime uh, ruling in Washington mm-hmm. that year, we're at $2.76 billion. So we went up more than than uh, half a billion dollars in one year with overtime. And that was at the 55-hour threshold. Yeah, wait for those numbers to come in now over the, you know, two more years of phasing now that we're down to 40-hour-a-week overtime uh, rules mm-hmm. in Washington State. Uh, it's crazy. And the sad part on top of that is, okay, well, it's more expensive. And that's what some people say, well, that's what you would expect. You know, that's, they play the whole fairness card on overtime. And, the, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about the arguments for and against this. But the reality is that extra money, that extra cost is not helping, by and large, not helping the very people it was supposed to help either. And it's just driving farms out of business, um, spread between more people, not enriching any particular. In, in fact, the rules and the way it's rolled out, hurting people, make it e- making it even more difficult uh, for them to make a living, which is counterintuitive. I recognize for people on this whole overtime issue, but that is the reality. And that's what that community, you know, farm worker community is speaking out on now as well. With us right now is Pam Lewison. She is the director of the Center for Agriculture, the Washington Policy Center. Um, with us here on The Farming Show, again, I'm Dylan Honkoop. Um, Pam, talk uh, about specifically on this overtime issue. We're talking about the increasing costs, and this is a big driver in Washington State right now for additional costs and pushing people to the brink, farm, pushing farms to the, the precipice of whether they're going to survive or not. Uh, there was a bill, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, that would bring some relief, not just for farmers, but for farm workers too. allow farm workers to make more money and ease the burden for farmers. 
um, in this idea of seasonality, as it's called, that would allow an exemption from uh, the this overtime restriction for a set period chosen by a farm. Uh, it was State Senate Bill uh, SB 5476. I should have this seared into my brain by now. What happened with this bill? Explain legislatively the the journey that's been on in the last couple of months here. So 5476 uh, was actually introduced last year during the legislative session and had a hearing in the Senate Labor Committee. Uh, For anybody who watched that hearing, you will remember that it was a mess. Um, There was a lot of editorial comments from um, members of the committee um, and a lot of, um, you know, potential misrepresentation of um, testimony that was in Spanish Mm -hmm. from committee members. Uh, This this legislative session, um, it was indicated by uh, committee chair Kaiser that um, the, the bill would get a hearing again. Um, there would be allowed a panel pro and con three people apiece, um, and each, um, member of the panel would have two minutes to testify. Um, she essentially indicated that it, that the hearing discussion would be a courtesy. Um, and that's effectively what happened. That in and of itself is a bit unusual, right? If, if there was, if there's a bill and there had already been a hearing on it in a given committee, and the bill is still in that committee, hasn't been voted out, hasn't been moved to exec, for them to bring that same bill back the next year and have another hearing on it. Isn't that kind of unusual? I think think because of how poorly the testimony went last year, Mm. um, there was um, that this was this year's testimony was a little bit of a mea culpa. Um, Mm. However, it was it was also made very clear that there was going to be no vote on on this particular piece of legislation um, that that there would be a hearing um, as a as a courtesy to the prime sponsor Senator King and um, in deference to the amount of work that he had done to bring this idea to the fore um, and to give him, you know, effectively his day in court, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also, um, you know, very much strongly indicated that the intention was not for this bill to move out of committee. Um, so the hearing went forward, both, uh, pro and con had their, uh, six minutes of testimony. There were um, very few questions of either panel, and um, and then the hearing was closed, hmm. and and the bill died. Uh, I think the really unfortunate part of that is uh, you had testimony that was really compelling. Um, farm worker, farm workers testifying, saying, you know, hey, uh, this is really impacting my ability to to live a good life. Um, farm owners testifying saying, you know, I have had to close my business uh, because of policies that you've enacted. Um, and so you have these really compelling stories about the real world impact yeah. of, of, of this uh, policy that those of us in agriculture knew was going to be detrimental. And yet, 
it wasn't good enough. It's such um, a, it's such a see, I told you so. I mean, we predicted that. At the same time, yeah. it's hard to even say that because it's not just a political gamesmanship point. I mean, this is so real, so raw and personal and hurting so many people. I just don't even feel right saying, see, we told you this is what was going to happen, even though that is the truth. This is exactly what was predicted to be the problem with this. And like you say, so many people now, we've had multiple, you know, even farm workers here on the show talking about their frustration with this and how it's harming um, their bottom line and causing them to consider leaving agriculture altogether in some cases. Well, and I think the real trouble with it is when you have a really small minority um, farm worker union with such an outsized voice in this discussion, um, there's sort of no way around it, right? Yeah, you yeah. have you have this um, this farm worker union who speaks really loudly and often and sort of has the ear, of um, of a really powerful segment of our legislative population that makes it almost impossible to get beyond them, uh, even when you have quite literally hundreds of farm workers saying, "Hey, this this small group of people they don't speak for me," yeah. and not only do they not speak for me, but they've never actually spoken to me. So they don't have any idea of what I'm going through, what my family is going through. Well, and and, then exactly right. There's been testimony, you know, some really uh, sharp people, uh, farm workers and farmers sharing about this before these lawmakers. You know, the the rallies that I was involved with this fall uh, over, you know, around a thousand people, uh, worker, thousand workers coming out uh, because they're frustrated about this. Then, you know, just days before this second courtesy hearing on this bill, you know, 300 workers at the state capitol uh, coming all the way over to Olympia, most of them from eastern Washington, to say they want some change. They they want this the seasonality idea. They don't like the way the system is working. What's telling to me, Pam, and again, we're talking with Pam Lewison with Washington Policy Center here on the Farming Show uh, this morning, is that Senator Kaiser, the the chair of this labor committee where this all got hung up and where you know, she's the person that didn't allow this to, to move forward, ultimately. She's in charge of what bills uh, come up for a vote and what don't, and she didn't allow this one up for a vote. She basically said, and I don't have the full quote in front of me, but she basically said that she knows that there's a problem. She can see that there's a problem. She knows it's broken, but she doesn't want to, quote-unquote, fix this on the back of workers, Yet, so and so in some ways, it's encouraging to me that this this legislator sees that there's a problem. But it's crazy to me that she's saying she doesn't want to fix it on the back of workers, quote unquote, and yet ignoring the voices of what the workers themselves want. They're saying very clearly in large number. I don't know what 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 what, what's the deal with Senator Kaiser here and what's it going to take to sway her? I think that's where that's where you sort of have to separate the forest through the trees yep. a little bit, uh, because I think that is that very very tiny farm worker union, yeah, uh, sort of whispering in the ear of legislators saying, 
but I represent all of these people. Um, when you have this vast farm worker population that is not represented by that union saying, um, you know, please come talk to us. Please come talk to me yeah. because what I am experiencing is much different than what you are being told by this tiny, tiny group. And until we can get um, those steps to actually happen, I think that we're going to continue to have this sort of push pull. What does it take to get those steps, you know, to, to jumpstart that? I mean, I, I guess anybody's guess is, is out there, but, you know, it, there are things that can be done to make this real. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly trying to do my part, but it takes a lot more than, than just me or my organization even to, to turn this around and to make this real to these decision makers. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a continual what it's going to take, I think, is really that continual groundswell from our farm worker community saying, not them, me, yeah. not them, us. And we as a community, I think it's really incumbent upon us to empower our farm workers to continue to be able to rally and to continue to be able to make their voices heard first so that we can really show that one, we are a community, and two, um, that those farm worker voices are just as valuable and just as important as anybody else's. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. We're out of time. I'm sure we could discuss much longer because there's a lot of moving pieces to all this. Pam Lewis and the director of the Center for Agriculture at the Washington Policy Center. Thank you for your time this morning. And, and more importantly, thank you for the work that you do studying these things, following the numbers and uh, giving report. You, you have a, a new piece coming out on these ag census numbers coming up uh, on Monday, right? Correct. Check that out at WashingtonPolicy.org. Pam Lewison, um, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, what happens when a farm can't go on anymore? Of course, we've told you here on the program about Losing the Farm, our new documentary, losingthefarm.com. But it's not Jeff and Di just Jeff and Diana's story at Cascade Farms. There are many other farms right now at the precipice, whether they'll survive or not. We talk with one of those farmers who just decided to hang it up Next, as we continue on The Farming Show here on KGMI. The Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260 is where you'll find more in the store. You'll find more in the store because there's so much store, almost 10,000 square feet. The Lummy Bay Market is where you'll find everything you need for on and off the road. You'll find the best value on gas and diesel, along with way more than you would expect out of a convenience store. There's a liquor department featuring a great selection of your favorite competitively priced spirits, wines, and mixers. And of course, you'll want to check out the huge selection of ice-cold beer in their massive beer cave. Want to grab a quick bite for breakfast or lunch? Don't feel like cooking dinner? At the Lummy Bay Market, you'll find a great hot deli counter, including our brand new fried chicken, chicken tenders, and chicken wings with all the fix-ins. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I-5 at exit 260 on Rural Avenue. Open 24 hours, 7 days a week. Lummy Bay Market, where, where there's, there's more in the store. store. 
latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and MyBellinghamNow.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. reaching a crisis point in Washington state. A lot of these issues that we've been talking about a lot on this program for years now are coming to a head and family farms are closing. Uh, We've talked the last couple of weeks about the new documentary, Losing the Farm, about uh, Cascade Farms and Jeff and Diana on the the program uh, with us a couple of weeks ago. Heartbreaking story, but theirs is not the only story. There are too many, far too many stories of families, uh, multi-generational family farms that under the current conditions here in Washington State cannot go on. What is happening? Well, if you have been listening to this program, you probably have an idea because we talk about each week we talk about the the pressures. And farming already has a lot of pressures with weather, with markets, you know, the, the, who knows what the price is going to be for a lot of things goes up and down, not up very much, mostly stays the same. <laughs> And costs go up and up and up, and that, that's where some of the problems really start to get going. You know, everybody's experienced inflation. Farmers have obviously not been sheltered from that either, and when the costs of their business go up and up and up, but the price that they get for their food that they produce doesn't, well, eventually you can do the math on that. Even, even math challenged me can figure that out. That doesn't work forever. That, that, that trend can't continue forever. So you have those pressures. And then on top of it, like we talk about a lot on this show, the regulatory pressures, the state, you know, for years we've heard about, you know, other sectors of the economy and our society talking about unfunded mandates from the government. And that's what a lot of this stuff amounts to things that are costly for businesses to deal with. But no way for them to recoup that cost. And they have razor thin margins already. Suddenly that margin is gone or upside down. That's what's happening. And families are saying, whoa, we can't do this anymore. This is the Farming Show, by the way. Welcome on a Saturday morning. I'm Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI. And joining us is someone who shared her heartbreaking story of of her family's family farm's closure um, before lawmakers in Olympia just within the past, well, less than a month. And it was emotional. And this is, again, right in line with the, the emotional stuff that we've been sharing with losing the farm and the Cascade Farm story. There are many other farms like this, but joining me right now is April Clayton uh, of Red Apple Orchards. She, she was a guest years back when I had just started my podcast, Real Food, Real People, uh, that I've shared with you on the program many times here. 
Um, got to know her back then. Cool little operation that they had going on there in Orondo, Washington. These are the kinds of farmers that we want in this state that people love. And April, you guys had to make a hard decision just this year. Like how, how recently did you decide that you can't keep doing what you were doing? This year when we got our return, our Terry returns back. So in November, we saw the writing on the wall. But then once December hit, we're like, okay, we just, we can't afford this. Our cherry returns for last year is only going to cover one month of chemicals. There's no way we can continue to farm that way. So we decided to lease our orchard so at least we could keep our land, keep our crew in their homes. But the way inflation and the returns have dropped, it's just, it's not matching up. And this isn't just my farm. These are farms all, like you said, all across Washington state. We're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately. And I really wish we could stop the turn. I've got to step back just a second because I know that there are always, you know, the folks in the peanut gallery think that they often think that they know how to run someone's business better than the person who's been running the business for generations. And so (laughs) even even what you and you've seen the social media. Well, why didn't you do this? And you should have done that. And farmers markets this and that. And in, in their minds, it's all simple. And you just need to do these things that they've heard from other people's talking points on. So I'm going to throw one of those right back at you um, because you said, you know, cherry returns only covered one month worth of, you know, fertilizer crop protection products. uh, And I know there will be people who right away would say, well, why don't you go organic? And that's the reality is your farm is an organic orchard, right? Correct. Correct. And I don't think people realize that an organic farm is actually three times more expensive to run than a conventional farm. We have to spray actually three times more. So that means three times more chemicals, three times more gas that tractor is going through. So it's actually a lot more expensive to do organic. And that's why our cherries are conventional, because we couldn't afford to do organic cherries anymore because the returns weren't there. So a few years ago, we switched to conventional on cherries and we're still organic apples, but it's, it's an expense. And, you know, some people say, well, cut back the cost on your chemicals. Well, if we do that, the soil health, the tree health starts to deteriorate and that's no good either. Uh, you're busting multiple myths right there. And one being that uh, organic means you don't spray um, products on, 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 on your crop. And that is a reality of organic farming as well as conventional farming. It's just different products that are used. Um, and, and so there goes one of these peanut gallery arguments of, well, you would save so much money if you went organic. That's what some people have been led to believe by talking heads out there, uh, people with, you know, little snippets on Instagram and TikTok about, you know, how the world should work. The reality isn't, isn't that clean, that simple. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, April Clayton of Red Apple Orchards in Orondo, Washington. 
they decided to close. Yeah, just just let people know about your farm. You're not you're a small farm as far as as orchards and, and tree fruit go here in Washington State. Talk about what you, you know, guys do real quick and and what's going to happen. Yeah, so we run about 150 acres. It's about uh, 80 acres of apples and about 55 60 acres of cherries. Um, we have a full time crew of between 11 and 13 people, and for harvest we can hire as many as 50 people. Um, we're, like I said, we're organic apples. Um, we pride ourselves on having really high quality fruit and also having, you know, a really good relationship with our crew. There is a 25,000 person labor deficit here in Washington state alone. And we approximately play all across the board, uh, mm. roughly the same for harvest wage. And it happens to be whatever the H2A wage is. But we know since we all pay the same, it's the relationship with your crew and having good housing so that they want to return to your farm each year. So we've prided ourselves on that and it's been great. But now the state has enforced this ag overtime and we simply can't afford it. So all this time that we've spent building up, you know, good relations with our crews has just fallen apart because we can no longer afford to pay them. And a lot of them are saying because of this overtime, they're going to bypass Washington state altogether and go to Oregon or I mean, Oregon, but um, Idaho and Canada, Mm -hmm. where the way is actually much lower than it is here in Washington State, but because they're guaranteed more hours, they prefer that. They're away from home. They're not here to vacation. Mm-hmm. They want to work as many hours as they can so they can send money back home, you know, in California or Mexico or wherever it may be. So this is really a disservice that Washington State legislator has done to the farmers here. So are, you're talking about migrant workers in the U.S. or are we talking about guest workers coming from other countries, including Mexico? Believe it or not, it's both. We have never been able to afford the H-2A system because of housing, but we have a crew that comes up from Woodland, California every year, and they have told us they are going to stop making this truck. Interesting. So our worker shortage is only going to get worse because of the overtime legislation. You would think, you know, the the basic logic that, that someone from the outside, and I've said this a lot here on The Farming Show, that, you know, people think, hey, you know, overtime, that, that's going to be a great thing, right? Um, workers will make more money. It's pretty straightforward. And, 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 you know, the arguments go on from there for the proponents of this idea. You know, it's about fairness and dignity and everybody else gets this overtime. And so workers should as well. But now we have a, a scenario not only where is this is hurting workers, but it's going to lead to more of a worker shortage because workers will just be saying, forget it. We aren't going to deal with overtime in Washington. Again, from the simple logic, if you don't understand how farming really works, you would think workers would be flocking to Washington for not only our higher minimum wage to begin with, but then a guarantee of time and a half uh, overtime pay over 40 hours a week. But it's actually the polar opposite of that uh, what what are are i'm sure your workers are expressing a lot of frustration about this they're expressing a lot of frustration over this especially when you consider agriculture is based on outside work so we're based on what it's what the weather does so during the winter when it snows or it's below 18 degrees our crews isn't working so they can make up those times of slow work during the winter during the summer and now we've just cut that off from them 
So they are very, they are seeing a dramatic uh, slip in their paycheck because they expect to make more money during the summer and spring when work, when there's work to be done. And we've essentially kneecapped that and said, no, that's not going to happen anymore. And basically it's not that we don't want to pay our farmers this, but you can't get blood from a turnip. There's no Mm. money out there. My Apple returns on Gala last year was um, $78. Hmm. for 900 pounds of apples. So if you consider that minimum wage is going to be approximately $20 an hour this summer, so that means overtime is going to be $30 an hour. So it takes two hours to pick one bin. That's $60 right there. That's $17 left over to pay for housing, payroll tax, chemicals, land tax. That won't cover it. It, That's... That's no good. $16 to cover everything else. Right. Or 18. And and I've actually heard of people's returns being less than $60 this year. So there are some farmers who are seeing returns that won't even cover the price of picking it. Upside down, just from harvest, not all the other costs around the entire rest of the year. That, That is insanity. And it's no wonder that family farms like yours, are shutting down. And this is where the chickens are coming home to roost from the decisions that have been made in Olympia that these costs keep getting ratcheted up. And, you know, we've been warning about it for years. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, farmers just like to complain. They always complain. They they always figure out a way. Uh, just charge more for your food. Uh, you know, make people pay more for your food. We've talked many times on this program about how that doesn't work. Um, that, that farmers are at the bottom of the food system chain. Their price takers, meaning they have to take the price that they get. They don't get to make the price. They don't get to set the price. They have to take what the market will bear. And if they can't match a price of somebody else somewhere else in the country who can produce more cheaply or somewhere likely somewhere else in the world, that's what we're seeing here locally with raspberry and and blueberry growers competing with fruit from all over the world that can be produced you know, at pennies on the dollar compared to what it costs to produce here in places like Peru or Chile or Eastern Europe or different places like that, you don't, you have to, hit the, you have to hit that price. Otherwise you aren't going to sell anything. And it is what it is. Some of those numbers that you had there, April, I think are, should be shocking to people and probably are number one, 900 pounds in, in a bin of fruit. That's a lot of fruit, Right. And, so, and and you're saying it takes somebody a couple of hours to to harvest that. But, okay, a lot of fruit, great. Somebody, I think it's impressive. I'm you know, always impressed by the work of farm workers and how quickly they can make stuff happen and get fruit in the bin or in the flat or whatever, you know, it is that they're harvesting. Uh, I'm used to the flats of raspberries over here, not big, huge bins of apples. But regardless, they move fast, get it done quick, but... But wait a second, $78 and you're you're hearing some people getting less than that for that much fruit. Think about what you pay at the the store, folks. If you you go and pay, you know, it, it's obviously quite a bit more than that. Well, think about what the farmer is getting now. Only $78 out of 900 pounds of fruit. And this is for the high quality, the good stuff that the Claytons grow over there. Yeah, and then this on is top, an organic band of fruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is the, the higher end stuff. 
And then, you know, another number that you threw out there, April, that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with is 20 bucks an hour. I mean, a lot of people think farming must be minimum wage, or some people think that it's even below minimum wage, which isn't true at all. It's not legal. Uh, that's not what's happening. But you couldn't get workers probably for that amount, right? People just wouldn't do it because the prevailing wage, not in a legal sense, but in a practical sense, that's out there. If, if you aren't paying that much, somebody, you know, a worker is going to say, see ya, we're going to the next farm down the road. And actually, that happens all the time, um, especially when one crew gets behind, they'll raise the hourly wage by a quarter or two. And you'll see a lot of people move from farm to farm based on wage. So we try to keep it all the same. And this year, it's looking to be about $20 starting. And that includes housing, too. I think a lot of people forget that since we have this migrant crew that's only here for a short period of time, that we provide housing. And that's yeah. not cheap either. And that's not included on top of that. $20. So yeah. there's a lot of extra hidden inside costs that unfortunately a lot of people who aren't in agriculture just don't see or understand. Yeah. From a distance, they think you're paying minimum wage and zero benefits, which isn't true at all. Like you're saying, I'm, I'm housing, that's a huge benefit. Um, and 20 bucks an hour, that, that's not a terrible wage um, for a labor pos- kind of position. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, the the H-2A guest worker program continues to inflate those wages, right? Because the, the higher minimum wage that's required, uh, which is going to be, I think, 1925 uh, this year uh, per hour for for H-2A guest workers is required under the federal program um, in Washington state anyway. That essentially becomes the de facto minimum wage for farm work across much of the state, right? It does. Exactly. I farm next to two large um, companies who use the H-2A. So they will pay their crew the H-2A wage. And so we will at least have to match it, if not raise it, in order to ensure crews since we don't have H-2A. So we're going to be looking at the domestic workforce. And as we said, because of the... Um, overtime, a lot of that worker isn't yeah. coming this way. So that the, the overtime combined with the low prices, we just figured we couldn't afford to farm anymore. If we took mm. out an operating loan to continue to farm, we don't have the guarantee like we did in the past that our fruit is going to even make a profit. I mean, I've mm. heard people last uh, summer, their cherry crops, who were charged. Can you imagine being a farmer, bringing your fruit into the shed and then turn around and having the shed say, oh, for the pleasure of selling it, you you owe us this amount of money now. So, Crazy. Yeah. And they so had to I, pay to produce fruit. Correct. So all of their expenses plus pay the people who are supposed to give them money. And this is just, it's going to get worse unless we put some brakes on, at least we get some more controls. What we need is farmers to be at the table when our fruit gets sold. I don't think people realize that either. We don't have any control over what happens to our fruit once it happens, once it goes to the packing shed. They decide what it gets sold for. They make sure their costs are covered, not ours. And one other myth that I hear a lot of people saying is, well, why don't you just take your fruit to a farmer's market? 
that's great. I love it. But at a farmer's market, I'm not going to be able to move a million pounds of apples. And that's what we're talking about for about 80 acres. You know, that's fine for, you know, five acres, but not for 80 acres. So the small farmers like me who aren't boutique farmers, we're the ones feeling the crunch right now pretty bad. Yep. It's the the small and medium-sized commercial uh, producers out there. We're just about out of time. 30 seconds left with April Clayton here on the Farming Show on KGMI. What are you guys going to do? We're going to lease and pray and hope that one day we can get back into it. We're going to help the people leasing it so that it's profitable for them because if the lease doesn't work for them, our next option is going to be selling. And that's, that's just, that's going to be beyond heartbreaking. So you aren't going to farm the land anymore. You're going to try to lease it. And then that's what you're left having to do. And then if you sell it, what would it be for? I mean, is your land the kind of land where houses would go up? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, we have some we have some better trees with some better planting and irrigation. So most likely, my orchard will be sold as orchard land. But there's okay. about 16 acres of cherries that have a little cherry virus. So those will probably get wiped out and be turned into houses. And that is what's happening. Food production yep. is leaving this state. Our food is going to come from somewhere else if these kinds of policies, this these kinds of trends continue. And this beautiful farmland, this productive, fertile land that we have here in Washington State uh, that's been producing food for generations is going to be paved over and houses are going to be put on it, which is a lose, lose, lose. It's a loss for our community. It's a loss for the environment. It's a loss for food. It, it's just there's so many awful things about it. Let's. Let's hope that doesn't have to be the case. I know we're running out of time, but real quick, I want people to understand that when we stop growing food and we import all our food, we no longer get to influence, A, how that food is grown, or B, how those people are taken care of who grow that food. So if we want to put these influences in, we have to make sure that farmers are profitable. And profitable is not an evil word. It just means that your business is successful. Yeah. Exactly right. April Clayton with Red Apple Orchards in Orondo. Hard news, but thank you for being willing to share uh, some of the details with us here on the program. Uh, th- this is a this is a situation that, that people need to be taking very seriously and, and having an honest look at it. Thank you. Hey, if you want to support local agriculture right here in Whatcom County tonight, if you've got the time, you go to the Whatcom County Cattlemen's annual fundraiser auction at the Deming Log Show. Doors open. Silent auction starts at 4, dinner at 6, live auction at 7 o'clock. It just costs 25 bucks at the door. Great barbecue beef, bar and friends, lots of stuff going on tonight. Again, at the Deming Log Show grounds, the annual fundraiser auction for the Whatcom County Cattlemen's. WhatcomCountyCattlemen's.com or check them out on Facebook.